It's Rainforest Mind with me, Casper Thompson. This morning, which was a grey, misty morning here in Malvern, and I always find those mornings harder to rouse myself in, well not always, usually, shall we say. Now, so I'm looking forward to the winter solstice and the days starting to get longer again. But this morning I did manage to rise myself at some point and I followed a YouTube video of Pilates or attempted to follow. I've been doing this series, sequence of videos for about a week and a half now and this morning I could feel the motivation was starting to wane. I don't know, maybe it's just because I was tired this morning. Although I do find with exercise, with physical activity, that I will, I'll have bursts of it. I can do a few weeks of jogging or a few months of jogging and then I lapse. Um, something changes. I don't know if it's boredom or if it starts to get more difficult. Um, things I'm really passionate about, I can sort of override that resistance. But somehow exercise is in that category of things of when the resistance comes up, I usually give in to it. So we'll see how I'm doing this time next week. Anyway, the reason I'm mentioning it this morning is because as I was finishing doing the last exercises, getting off my mat, rolling my mat up, a builder walked past and gave me a thumbs up. Um, Our flat, the back of our flat sits into the hill and the front opens into the shared garden. And in the shared garden is a coach house which is being fixed and renovated And I think when we first moved in, I'd have been a bit embarrassed and annoyed at somebody for having a nose through the window and even making a friendly greeting. But this morning I received it very well, which is good. I've become less self-conscious exposure therapy, maybe. It's great having big windows, almost floor-to-ceiling windows and glass doors that open out into the garden. It really plugs me into the natural world, even if I don't want to go and sit in the cold but there is that downside particularly if I'm doing things that make me feel a bit vulnerable um, that somebody might walk past at any moment and have a gawk through the windows gawk gawp have a gawp through the I don't know have a nose through the windows let's say somehow it made me think of shared karma or shared cultural habit patterns I think Privacy is valued in the UK, maybe particularly in the um, middle classes of the UK, where there's that historical stiff upper lip still. It's tricky making generalisations, isn't it? There's also danger of falling into stereotypes. Um, And when I'm working one-to-one with somebody, I'm always really interested in their particular experience. And yet, there is something about shared cultural experience, shared habit patterns. It's really obvious in psychotherapy how they get passed down through families, but I think they also get passed down through shared cultural experiences as well. When I came back from India the first time, it wasn't while I was there that I really noticed these differences but on the way home after landing in the Heathrow driving home 
it was struck me really powerfully how many of the things that I'd taken for granted as this is just the way things are were actually this is just the way things are here and that other countries and cultures organise themselves quite differently emotionally and psychologically as well as practically in India, in Delhi particularly the, where I was staying there's so many people that you are on show a lot of the time three or four families three or four generations of the same family maybe living under one roof um, close proximity to the flats next door hearing the noise of the TV of chanting in the garden and exercise, when I did some exercise uh, in India, a friend took me jogging in the morning. We jogged around the edge of the park. There, it felt like there were hundreds of us, people doing yoga in the middle. Um, everybody was really on show. Nobody seemed to be bothered by it. I don't know if that was less self-consciousness or if they just developed different coping strategies. Um, I suspect a, a bit of both. Anyway, part of the reason I'm thinking about these cultural comfort zones maybe is one way of putting them things that shared things that make us all feel a bit vulnerable many of us feel a bit vulnerable of course some people are completely fine with being seen exercising in their um, daggy jogging bottoms <laughs> was the reason I've been thinking about this is because I've just recorded a conversation with Jane Johnson about her nomadic lifestyle Jane's a body psychotherapist and she's done shamanistic work in the past as well she teaches on the embodied relational therapy course and the wild therapy training that I've been doing and about a year ago she let go of her flat left the household to life started living nomadically camping in the summer more or less and house sitting for people in the winter and this way of living really moved her to the edge of a comfort zone that I think many of us share the stability and of having a house all the assumptions that go without the things that we take from having a settled life so I was interested to speak to her and find out what that was like living day to day not knowing which house you'd be going to which campsite you'd be setting up on the next day now, a note about the recording. Somehow, in this conversation, I sound like I'm at the end of a very old, frayed telephone line, so apologies for that. In one place, actually, I've re-recorded my question to Jane completely because it was unintelligible. Um, in, the other in the other cases, I've boosted the volume, and I think that works. Um, this is the thing about recording video conversations. I and also, podcasting is a hobby. I'm not an expert at this, but I think I may have to splash out on some different software. Anyway, mostly it's Jane talking, and, and her audio quality is completely fine. So I started by asking her to give us a snapshot of her life before she began living nomadically. And then we moved on to talk about... Um, how it was for her to live nomadically and also about the the stability that many of us take from living in houses. Well, 
Well, in the past, I've sort of, I've had a kind of conventional life. I've been married. I've got two children that are now grown up. So I've lived a pretty conventional life, really. And um, for the previous five years before um, deciding or becoming nomadic, I was living on my own in a small apartment in Hebden Bridge in West Yorkshire. And... um, it, life was pretty good, really. Uh, Hebden Bridge is a brilliant place to live. Um, I had a really busy one-to-one body psychotherapy practice, um, some homeopathy clients because I'm a homeopath as well, and some shamanic clients because I do shamanic work. So pretty busy, full-on um, practice. Um, I was also running a therapy centre or co-running a therapy centre with somebody else that I was doing that with. Um, so that was sort of like another job, really. And then I was also running lots of workshops and trainings for wild therapy and embodied relational therapy, some of my own trainings. So I think what happened over those five years is that um, I kind of became a um, sort of, I tripped myself up by doing more and more and more and more. (laughs) And part of that was excitement because I love what I'm doing. Yeah. But I think part of it is kind of, there was an underlying, there's constantly been an underlying sense of insecurity around money and around being able to manage myself. Um, the apartment wasn't cheap, um, living, um, living by yourself, kind mm-hmm. of paying bills, um, looking after the whole place, everything, it, doing that on my own, I actually found really hard work Mm. I I found like I I did I was getting lots and lots of support for my work but I wasn't really getting support in terms of how I was living um so I guess over the over those five years things just got busier and busier and busier and a couple of years before I actually left I realized that it wasn't sustainable for me to carry on living Mm. this way and um well, I had a few ideas about, you know, options. Um, one of the options was to possibly um, build a community with some other people and get some land and um, sort of be a bit more self-sufficient. Um, but that sort of, it, it, we had a lot of planning and involvement in that and that was great, but it didn't really come to anything and we weren't all ready at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I just knew that I needed to do something different. Defensive urgency yeah that that sort of that happened sort of about two years before I I thought I I need to do something different I can do this for a bit longer Mm. and so that sense of urgency just got more and more um because I was just busier and busier and uh I mean I was yeah I mean I was pretty pretty much taking care of myself I was sort of having massages and um doing all the things that I need to to take care of myself but it was this kind of underlying yeah kind of like um real sort of desperation really Mm, I think my experience of when I'm doing the things I need to do to keep myself going is that that's sort of like I can do that, but I'm sort of lifting myself up to do it. Mm. And it, mm. it takes, a, even with support, it takes a bit of energy. Mm. I don't know whether mm. that's something 
yeah yeah I mean I think I think it takes a lot of energy to run a household yeah (laughs) whatever whatever that household is you know it takes takes a lot to sort Mm. of organize the bills and and paying things and um you know sorting out repairs and just looking after the place and you know it just Mm. it's just it takes a lot of energy being one person to do that yeah it's being two people doing it yeah, that I, it really felt like that. Having had experience of being married and I've been in relationships with people that I'd lived with as well. And, and having that support when there's two people, it is, was quite different doing it on my own. Um, I, even when I, um, when I split up with my, my ex-husband, I was a single mum, so I had the kids at home. Yeah. But it, even that felt different to this solitary lifestyle, really. Mm-hmm. This kind of really... Um, I, I wouldn't say isolated because I had I lots and lots of friends so it wasn't even that I felt isolated but something about doing it on my own yeah. for sure yeah you said you had lots of support in other ways but not perhaps support to live on your own in a house and manage that project yeah exactly yeah. yeah and it also felt like um it felt a bit mad to be mm. living on my own in a in a, in this box <laughs> and we're all living in these houses on our own in these boxes mm. and that was why the idea of community really appealed to mm. me because it was something like why aren't we all doing this together in one place you know why aren't we all supporting each other in terms of how we um you know, one person might cook and somebody else might wash up, somebody else might do the, the shopping. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like I'm used to that community spirit when we run the workshops and trainings. So mm-hmm. that feels like I can feel the difference when everybody's there and everyone's doing a little bit. It all feels so much easier. Yeah. But, when, but when you're doing all of that on your own, it's a completely different kettle of fish really it depends on your personality a bit doesn't it as well because I've lived in community where we did everything together and for me that was one of the toughest (laughs) things that I've done yeah yeah I I mean it's not idealistic you know it sounds ideal it sounds like I'm making it idealistic but I know that it isn't and I know that it can be really hard work to Mm. share and to to cooperate and to get things done and there is something definitely something in me that it's much easier to do it myself Mm. you know I've I've definitely got that I'll just get on and do it but I think that that's to my own detriment you know I think it doesn't serve me well Mm. so I think my the part of me that that yearns for support really needs that challenge of what that's like to share and to um to to have that um experience of of letting go of control really Mm. Because that's what it is, isn't it? Well, it's what it is for me. It's yeah, definitely about letting go of control. Yeah. Well, in ERT terms, I guess for me, it's, it, it triggers the holding character or, or yeah. what, the anal character. Am I going to yeah. do things to my rhythm or can I yeah. manage being, doing things to other people's rhythm? Yeah. And yeah, here, I, I've sort of found a balance. So there's eight people. Mm. living here mm. and we eat together once a week so it's a sort of it's not quite eating together every meal and doing everything together but somebody does all the hoovering there's one washing machine between eight people 
Mm. You know, we just had a cleaning day yesterday where we all cleaned the kitchen together. So for me, that's personally, that's quite a good balance because I get plenty mm. of time on my own mm. and enough contact with people and shared experience to, um, to be a little bit challenging and mostly supportive. Yeah, I mean, that's, that sounds great. And I, I think that is a good way is to get that balance between, I know for myself, I couldn't just go into a community and, and live without my own space and without doing my own thing. So that certainly is, um, you know, that would be a goal for me at some point if I was ready to land, it would be something like you're suggesting, which is a bit of half and half, really. Yeah, yeah, you know. For me, I'm so I was so conditioned to doing things my own way before, even just despite four years of living yeah. in the community. Yeah. You no, know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think actually, if I I can go into a mode where I just do what I'm told, and that's mm. very easy, but mm. I feel like there's a loss in that. Mm. It's mm. a sort of mixed position, isn't it? For me, that's tricky. Where, well being in a relationship isn't it where you bring yourself more completely and as someone yeah. else brings himself more completely yeah yeah and bring your vulnerabilities around that as well and and I guess a lot of us have been conditioned to be independent and to mm. do it on our own and and our whole society really values people who are independent and you know you can manage on your own kind of thing mm. so there's a lot I think of vulnerability underneath that not managing on your own and not mm. doing it by yourself so mm. yeah there's a lot of I think there's a lot of vulnerability in terms of of sharing and how do we how do we do and how do we share power because that's I think what we're talking about as well isn't it yeah. it's yeah. a tricky it's a real tricky one yeah and here there's a there's a, there's a hierarchy it's not mm. steep but there is oh, okay. to some degree and so that solves some of the problems and it suits mm. the people that are here and it wouldn't suit everybody yeah and it's yeah. um the reason that it works so well is that I'm, you know, being at the top, but actually most of my role is to be continually giving my power away mm. appropriately. Yeah. So, hand, yeah. you know, handing over more and more responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It Interesting. just made me think of my experience of being in India, where three or four generations of people live under the same roof. Yeah. And how different yeah. that is to so many families. I mean, I have seen it in families here, but it seems much more common that grow up, leave, yeah. often go to the other side of the country. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and what is that, you know, for me, that's this questions around, you know, what is that, what is that, what are we supporting by doing that? I, I guess we are supporting independence, yeah. but, at, but at what cost, you know, that's, it feels like there's, there's a cost to that independence. Yeah. Well, that's great. You can learn great things by living on your own and having to manage mm -hmm. those things. There's a whole load of skills, potentially, yeah. that you can learn. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot as well, isn't there? Connecting yeah. yeah. Learning how yeah. to rely on people. And yeah. And I wonder about that sort of um, developmental stage as well of kind of, of, of separation. So we, we're merged with our parents and then with, mm. there's a separation. And then it feels like there's another stage after that of interdependence so that it feels like we're not very good at that somehow mm. in society. We, we're very good at, at being able to do the other two bits, but how do we then come back together and do in interdependence? Mm. That's even, a bit... Yeah, even it also makes me think of 
that well, not just I was going to say young people I've worked with, but it isn't just true. It's true for people of all ages. The transition between being somebody's child yes. to being um, two adults in relationship with each other. Yeah. So many people that I see actually that that is one of the that's some of the core material. How do I, as a child or as a parent? find a way of relating to my grown-up child or me as a grown-up child relating to a parent. Mm. Yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah. It is really tricky. And my sense is that one of the reasons why we struggle with that is because we don't have rites of passage, we don't have ways that young people um, are honoured in going out and becoming themselves and becoming sort of who they are and then coming back to the tribe with those gifts that they're being given and it feels like that's a really ancient way that we we don't really value or on it any of that in our society Mm. i was reading a while back richard raw's book about initiation and he talks about several of the characteristics young men he's he's talking about initiating young men mainly and one of them is there's three things i think that he talks about one is you're going to die. Mm. Another is life is tough. Mm. And another is you're not the centre of the universe. Mm. And the implicit one that he doesn't, he he mentions, but he doesn't include it in the thought, which sort of provides the background to all of those is, and the community loves you or, and the universe loves you or whatever their Mm. mythology Mm. is, which Mm. sort of allows you to experience without that. It's very hard to take on board life is tough, you're going to die and you're not the centre of the universe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But if you're held by the community and received back into the community lovingly, then actually Mm. somehow that mix creates a sort of an appropriate mix of humility and confidence. Mm. It's a bit missing in... Yeah, yeah, I think it's a huge bit missing. You know, it really feels like there's a lot, I think there's quite a few of these practices starting to come back, particularly in groups of young men, which I feel is really, really important mm. that that can, that people are noticing there's a gap missing, a big gap there missing. And that particularly young men are really sort of struggling with their identity and yeah, all those questions, mm. all those mm. statements. Well, that was an interesting tangent, a little tributary of the mainstream that we went down there together. But I wanted to bring us back to Jane's experience of the nomadic life. So I asked her, could she remember that moment of inspiration? Could she remember what it was that made her say, I'm going to live nomadically? I'm not going to put it. The community things failed, so... Now I'm going to sell my flat up sticks and try something completely different. I I think it was a combination of all those things, that that pressure over the two years. So, you know, it it feels like it's financial. It, It felt like it was financial. It was quite clear. I can't carry on working this way anymore. It's not sustainable. So I have to make some choices. I could have chosen to carry on with the one-to-one work stayed in my apartment and tried to find a way to earn the extra money and not do the workshops and trainings but basically I needed to work that much 
to pay for all the things that I needed to pay for on my own. Mm. So the choice was um, either stay and find other work or something that I could stay in one place or give up the one-to-one work and carry on with the workshops and trainings, which then freed me up to not have to be in any particular place because the workshops and trainings are run all over the country and I have to travel to them anyway. Mm. So it's kind of like, well, it doesn't really matter where I am. I just travel to be there. And there was a real felt sense of excitement in that, that prospect and scare, really a big scare as well. Mm. And, um, and I think I just originally sort of thought, oh, well, I'll just pack all, all my belongings up and store them all. And I might do this for like six months or something and just see what it's like. And then I'll probably find another place and, and land somewhere. And that was, so, so I didn't give myself too big a sort of, um, like a big chunk to go into. It was a kind of idea that it might just be a very short period of time and that I would still have all my belongings. But as the, as that project unfolded, um, it became more and more clear to me that, um, a, a friend said, a friend said to me, why are you storing all your belongings? What, what is the purpose of holding on to all of that? And I could feel internally the, the, the kind of attachment mm. to, to, to those things that I felt were, were me. They felt they were part of me. And some of the things I'd belong, I'd had for 30 years. And I could, in that moment, I knew the challenge was to to let go of just about everything Mm. and the fear and the knowing at the same time was really it's like something just went clunk this is what you need to do and um and I fought it for a little while it's like no 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 I can't do that I can't possibly get rid of all my stuff I'm I need to keep these things (laughs) and then gradually over a period of time it became really clear and obvious that that's not what I was going to do and so so yeah I, I made the decision that financially it was going to be a good option to not have to pay for a flat and all the bills and to just set off on this journey and and to really let go of a lot of my personal belongings, things that I'd been attached to for a long time. And yeah, I've kept some things. I've not got rid of everything. There are, there's, there's one big item, which is my dining room table, which feels, um, kind of I'm quite attached to it my kids have sat around that and they've ate and drawn pictures around it and we've had lots of family and lots of celebrations and parties and things around that table so it feels like it's got an energy or a life force of its own Mm. Um, and a few sort of nice paintings and pictures but but apart from that I really cleared everything else out um settees and beds and tables and loads and loads of books that you know have been on my bookshelf that I've been hanging I've read them but they're on my bookshelf you know um and it was yeah speaking I even just imagining that I can feel a sort of lightness in myself yeah 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 it was go on sorry yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty liberating. I think once the decision had been made and I was really clear that's what I was doing, then the rest of it kind of unfolded. Mm. I think yeah. things do take up space somewhere. Mm. Physical things that we own take up space somewhere in the back of our mind. That's my experience. Yeah, definitely. And the more we own, I don't know, the more clogged up yeah. we are or the more weighed down, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I went through and I'd I'd cleared a lot of stuff out to get into a small apartment, but over five years I'd 
gradually built more things up and um, I literally went through everything and I was really lucky to have lots of good friends that came in supported me with that task and their job was to say to me do you really need this mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's what that's what they did so we literally went through every drawer every cupboard and I did it over a period of about a month and yeah it was it was really liberating to to feel what I was attached to and to be able to go I can feel that attachment but actually no I don't need it mm. I often think about the Buddha teaching his middle way teaching, which is the middle way between asceticism, this sort of self-flagellation and, and really um, almost punishing spiritual practices mm. Mm. on the one hand and giving up of everything. And on the other hand, uh, hedonism, just continually delighting in the sense pleasures with just one thing after another thing after another mm. Mm. But he said, oh, I'm going to teach the middle way in between these two extremes. Mm. Fine. But the middle way that he practiced was one robe and one bowl mm. and living in the jungle, in the forests. Yeah. It's quite yeah. different from where most of us think about living. Yeah. When we think yeah. of minimal lifestyles, we don't think about one robe and one bowl. No, definitely. And my, uh, although my lifestyle is way, way more minimalistic than some people, that, that it's a long way from that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Just there's something really amusing about that to me. But that's yeah. how far, yeah. how, how the idea of normal changes to such a degree. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say for me, it feels like. Um, this brings this brings in the idea of of wild and domesticated and i've thought about that a lot around what i'm doing and and the idea that um because because what it sounds like the, the buddha was doing in his one robe and his one bowl was pretty wild you know it's kind of like in the jungle way out there yeah so wild as in non-domesticated i mean it sounds like that's what somehow he tapped into that to 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 find that that edge and it feels like that's part of what this journey is about for me as well mm, leaving domesticity yeah well partly i mean i'm not completely leaving it and I'm, I'm sat in a house now that yeah. i'm that i'm really grateful for being and house sitting and looking after my friend's dogs and being here i'm very grateful for that but but there is something that's that I have stepped away from. And I think some sense of that being weighed down by the financial and by the things is about, I could feel that um, I'm, I'm too domestic for the kind of spirit that I am. You know, the spirit that I am has got, has got more to me than, than that. And I know that's not how it is for everybody. And I know that for, for a lot of people, you know, having a, having a house and a, a you know roof over the head is really important and yeah, it has been cool. for me in the past but but right now there is something for me about exploring that edge of wildness and and stepping off into something that's yeah that's outside of that normal um world the world that we think about, of as normal yeah and there's something about the normal world it has got a, a, a sort of imposed rhythm i mean we're the ones that impose it but monday 
Friday, then a weekend, and this is what I do mm. on this day, and this is what I do mm. on that day, and this is when that's mm. due. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's something about mixing that up in one's being that it, it, it releases or changes something, you know, that those, those rhythms are really useful for kind of um, um, helping regulate, you know, regulators. But there's something really useful about getting really dysregulated and not kind of knowing where we are or what we're doing. And it, it throws up the whole system into, um, into a different, yeah, it throws it into a different rhythm. I guess. Well, that's what it's done for me. I can only speak for myself. And what's yeah. that? Can you say more about what that's like? Being thrown into a different rhythm? I think it's both liberating and scary, which is the whole, you know, that's, that's what I'm finding on this journey is that edge between liberation and fear. Um, I don't fear not having anywhere to to stay i feel like there's so many people who've offered places that that's not a fear i think the fear is is something to do with yeah where where will i find my space amongst other people's homes and their rhythms how will i how am i gonna fit myself into that um I had a little joke that you know it's like every every household that I've been in they've got their own everyone seems to have these all their own little idiosyncrasies and particularly in kitchens it's amazing how many taps turn one way and the other and how you know cookers work this way and that way and drawers open and it's it's there's a there's been a massive challenge learning Mm -hmm all of those new things. So that's something about how the rhythm or I get my whole system gets changed because I can't just use my right hand to open the door and know that my knife is in there because that's not what my body's doing anymore. My body has to find a different route to do it. So I guess I'm using different parts of my brain, you know, and there must be different synapses that are having to like work really hard because I'm not in that kind of patterning that I would be if I was in my own place. Yeah, it's not habitual. So, isn't it? But I guess there's also yeah. other rhythms that families have, rhythms of when people come home from work and rhythms yeah. of how the conversation flows yeah. or doesn't flow and yes. slotting into those different cultures. Yeah, yeah. And and I I think I I am... Um, I'm pretty good at sensing my, I think I've got a kind of an animal body that sort of senses my environment and sort of feels my way into it. Like I sniff around in the corners and find out what's going on and, and kind of can, can find a way to fit into that particular household that I might be in. But there's a lot, there's also a loss in that for me because it's like how much, how much of my own, um, animal can I bring into that place how much can I you know jump around and sit on the settee and wag my tail and put my dog hairs everywhere (laughs) I'm saying about the dogs at the moment because that's the dogs I'm looking after and that's kind of they've got their own place in this home and they yeah so it feels a bit like that has that got easy for you do you think uh I'm not sure not sure whether it's got easier I think it's just different everywhere I go. And that's one, that is one of the challenges of this process. Um, 
I think in a way it was easier in the summer I was doing lots of camping in the summer so that was a lot of outdoors sleeping outdoors and then there's a lot of my own sort of personal choices and freedoms around that whereas there's that I'm less um, I've got less of that now that it's the the autumn winter where I'm I'm relying on being inside people's houses Mm -hmm. there is much more of a, a reliance and there's vulnerability in that this whole conversation is making me think of the idea of emptiness from a Buddhist point of view. That actually a person, in a sense, has got the potential to become anything because everything that we are is just these habit patterns. Mm. And, and there's something about your experience which is showing you the edge of your habit pattern. You know, it's like letting go of stuff but to, to go into somebody's house. Yes. You have to let go of behaviours, maybe, or yes. change behaviours. Yes. And that sort of, it somehow points to, or asks the question of, well, I suppose it asks that question, well, who am I if I'm different in each house that I go into? What is, yeah. what is, the, is there any essential Jane that gets carried through these yeah. experiences? I hope there is, and I, I think there. I think there are. There is an essential me that gets carried through, but there's certainly that that sort of primary bit of me that does have to be pretty adaptable. So there is something about adaptability in this process. It's really, I've I've realised I am pretty adaptable. Well, I guess there's things that you can't change. You can't change your height. Or the reach of your arms. So when you're in yeah. where the shelves are, you know, all of that. Yeah. Stuff that well, yeah. Yeah. You, you've got the body that you've got, which has its own reasons. Yeah. And some of that yeah. is possible to, I guess, is possible to adapt to some things. And at some point you go, oh, well, I guess this is, in yeah. a way, this is essential to me because I can't reach the top shelf. <laughs> or yes. Yeah. It is, or yeah. You know, yeah. I need to get up and go to the loo in the middle of the night. Mm. You know, speaking for myself. Yeah. Always the bathroom and the bedroom. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 All of those things are considerations and challenges. Mm. Yeah. So what's the what's the best thing? The best thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's this I think it's the same thing because it's a real edge in that. That it's the 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 same it's it's the not having the rhythms it's not having the pattern it's not having the mundane sort of everyday thing there's every day feels really different and really Mm. new and there's very little uh, regularity in it and I and that is also as well as being challenging it's also the the liberating part of it Mm. so Mm -hmm. it sounds very alive and like the conditions invite you to be awake yeah, absolutely. That's a really good way of putting it. And that's exactly how it feels. I, I do feel much more alive. I feel like I'm literally living on the edge. So I feel like I'm living on the edge of what the societal norm is. And I feel like I'm living on the edge of my own comfort zone or my own rhythms. So it's, it's, it's just about tolerable. But there is a aliveness at those edges, huge aliveness at those edges. So if you've got a sense of how, of, of where you are, are you kind of in the middle of this project or will it go on for 
a long time or is that <laughs> a mystery still? It's a good question. I, I'm definitely, I, I'm really clear that I'm not ready to land anywhere yet. So I'm very clear about that. What I also am very clear about is that next year I would like my own sort of little home that I can carry on my back. So mm. I'm going to look for a camper van. And that feels like that will probably put me a bit more into a comfort zone because I won't, I won't need to rely on other people quite as much. Um, I'll be able to park my vehicle up and hopefully and, you know, make, make my food and go to yeah. bed in my own little van. But it'll also be something that I'll be able to um, go from place to place with. So I'm not going to be in one place. Um, so that's the project for next year is to see how that goes mm. for a year. Yeah, and then and, and then I'll decide. And do you think that's a bit of stepping away from that edge that you've talked about, or is it going to a different edge? Not sure, actually. No, I mean maybe you can't answer that till. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that is actually what what you've just said. There reminds me a one part of this is also that kind of there's an uncertainty mm. and and i guess it 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 feels like it matches something of the the definite uncertainty in the world so like i'm i can't ignore that uncertainty because it's right here where i am mm. and i and i don't know what's going to happen so because i because i'm not living in a house i don't have the certainty or the perceived certainty of what next year might look like or the year after mm. it feels like i'm i'm living much more day to day i'm living much more week to week and i let i let myself sort of follow the energy of where i might be heading next and see what that feels like and i've changed plans and i've done things because i'm following that pattern of my own rather mm. than um, a prescribed or an idea of what yeah, pattern. And, it, and it sounds like that pattern of your own is actually it's something it's, it's relational isn't it it's to, it's to do with how you yeah. meet what's happening in the world yeah yeah definitely whereas yeah. actually that prescribed pattern is, is in some ways isn't so relational Mm, Monday yeah. Friday nine till five. Yeah, yeah. I had not not thought about it like that before, but that that rings true. Yeah, mm. I think that's I think that's right. And it really makes yeah. sense to me what you described about that living in a house almost providing a, in one sense, a false sense of security. Because I think for the last few decades, you know, certainly people my age, what we've we've sort of been born into a relatively stable time in yeah. history. And that yeah. is changing now, but we're, what we're used yeah. to is something reliable and a house somewhere to live. Oh, that's already changing for some people, but it has been a big yeah. part of that. But I guess the other thing that, that being in a house does, which ties us right back in with where we started, is it forces you to be preoccupied by yes. paying the bills, yeah. getting a new roof, whatever it is, stopping the water leaking, you know. Yeah. And yeah. in a way, when you're paying attention to those things, I personally, I find it's harder to remain sensitive to the bigger changes mm. politically, ecologically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and something about the way that you're living seems to offer you that sensitivity back again. Mm. I think that's right. And again, I hadn't thought about it like that, but in, that, in those terms, I can feel it as a felt sense, but 
um, you naming it in that way is really it is really helpful. And I, th I think that's right. There is something about paying attention to our own sort of environment and d the detail of that. And I think it is really important to do that. And I'll need to do that with a camper van. You know, I need to look after it. You'll need to get mm -hmm. serviced and fill up with petrol, etc. But there's a degree to which we do that. And yeah, I do think that stepping out of that has certainly put me much more into context in in the reality of the uncertainty of this world that we're living in because yeah, we only have a certain amount of capacity and energy to pay attention i do anyway and it's like the amount that i'm physically awake well the, the capacity that i've got to paying attention to things isn't a whole day's work in a day yeah no, um, no so that absolutely. does get used up with domestic things yeah 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 so generally happy with the decision Sounds yeah like more than happy and you know i think this there was something in this process that when the clunk happened and i knew that this is ah there is what i'm going to do then the unfolding of that process and then the leaving actually became easier it, it was the leading up to that decision that's the heart that was the hardest bit mm. and so then actually leaving and I cleared out my whole place and there was nothing left in it and I and it didn't feel like my place anymore and mm. and that was so easy to walk away then and I haven't looked back at all um, I've been back to Hebden Bridge because I've got lots of friends there and I enjoy visiting but it doesn't feel like my home place anymore mm. and I don't feel like I've got any regrets at all about that I, I don't know what the future holds but I know that I'm not going to go back to that So thanks to Jane for that conversation. Very interesting. Of course, when I listen to it back, there are things that I would like to have asked that didn't occur to me at the time. But such is life, I suppose. Try and think of that as a learning opportunity as much as a regret. If you enjoyed the podcast, do subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever app you use to listen with. Uh, like us on Facebook, Rainforest Mind. Visit my website, kasperthompson.co.uk, that's K-A-S-P-A-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N.co.uk for details of my psychotherapy practice. Um, I do some Skype work, so if you want to work with me from the other side of the world, that is possible. And you can also find all the old episodes of Rainforest Mind there as well. Thanks for listening, and tune in sometime soon for the next episode. Thank you.